with God Time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our Bible study. We're also going to look at what you had to say about the first half of the show. You guys have been busy this morning. Lots of text messages coming through, which is really nice to see. We love to hear from our listening audience. But before all of that, Lawson's bringing you the next question for the quiz. What was the name of the man that thought that the gift of the Holy Spirit may be purchased with money after witnessing people receive the Holy Spirit from the laying on of hands? Okay. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you know the answer to that one, you will go into the draw to win food as medicine and a taste as food. A taste of food as medicine. Two amazing, incredible cookbooks that will just improve your life in an awesome way by being able to cook amazing, healthy, tasty food. But again, that clue was, what was the name of the man that thought that the gift of the Holy Spirit may be purchased with money after witnessing people receive the Holy Spirit from the laying on of hands? 0491-064-669. Get in the draw. Okay, fantastic. All right, let's jump on to our text messages. Braden has this to say, as an online student, I was using Zoom before it became prevalent and enjoyed Zoom. My thoughts are that face-to-face meetings trump a phone call, so a video call to me is the second best choice. Mm. I also agree with Lyle. I like my face. (laughs) Okay. There you go. God made it so it can't be bad. Amen. Uh, Let me see here. We did that one. We did that one. Yep. Okay. Someone's giving you a hard time for promoting the prizes and, and saying that literally nothing that this can't do literally change your life. I will agree with change your life. Mm. There's possibly something that there's possibly something out there that the prize can't do. I, I agree. There might be. Yeah. There's a few there's, things. There might be a few there might be more than one thing yeah. it can't do. It won't drive you to work. No. Okay, so there you go. It, you may have exaggerated slightly. It will make you better looking because if yes. you eat the food, then you'll yes. be healthier. And you will enjoy Zoom more. You will enjoy seeing your face more on Zoom. Uh-huh, yep. There you go. Okay, so if we solved that problem. Yep. All you need to do to solve the Zoom problem is win the prize. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, take it from somebody who knows. Race to be humble. Mm-hmm. The higher we think we are, the harder we fall. Amen. Thank you and the team for Breakfast with Jesus. God Amen. bless. That's from Freco. Then we go here and we have... I think one. that was in reference to me saying I'm the best going guy. I think, I think it was. I think, I think so. But my challenge still stands. If there is a single listener out Come on, there Freco, who wants to race, head over here, give us a wants race. To race, I will, I, I challenge all of them. Mm-hmm. I could I could beat you on the go kart. Ah, whatever, Lyle. Easy. Like, literally, has Easy. never ever ever happened ever. Easy, I'm mm. sure I can. Okay, uh, Zoom. You can always close your window. I have no problem with looking at myself. It's just me. <laughs> I do two Zoom meetings per week, and find it sad that many people actually are, in fact, very self conscious. People mm. like us. People like yourself. God made you, and He loves you, and so do I. Oh, cute. That's awesome. Mm. I think I think uh, our text here was just referring to all of us it was when he just, said that. It was just trying to give us encouragement. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to make that one text message today, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hair grief growth. That is great news. So many men are so self-conscious about it. Mm. We all know the funny things they end up doing, like shaving all of it, which can, very, which can look very good on some, or grow what they have to cover the bald spots. Mm. Or grow it long to compensate for the lack of it. Lawson, my question to you is this. Mm. When and if you go bald, 
which one of those paths are you going to take? You're going to do the comb over, the bald, or the long hair? Uh, I think I'd do the bald. Yes. So this is this is the interesting situation that I'm in when it comes to this. Right. My father yes. and his brothers... Are not bald. No, no, no. My father and his brothers and his father are all bald. Oh, they're all bald. They're okay. all bald. They're all bald. But my grand... My- Grandfather on my mum's side. So on my mum's side, my grandfather and my mother's brothers are not, not bald. bald. They're like 80 and they're like got full a full head, head, of, head hair. of hair. And so for me now, like my hair still hasn't thinned out. Like my hairline still hasn't receded. I'm like 23, which is usually around the time where that would kind of start to happen, I think. Uh, so you think you're going to make it? I think I can definitely make it. But the other thing is that on my... Mum's side, like, my grandfather started going grey when he was, like, 25. Right. So, it's, like, either... This is this could be the situation. Either I go bald and grey really quickly, or I have the genes of my dad's side, where they took ages to go grey. Like, took my dad till his 50s to start going grey, but lose his hair straight away. So, I might just have the perfect genes. Where, where both my hair doesn't go grey for a long time... And I keep all of it. Or it's the opposite. And my hair goes grey really quickly and I lose all, all of I it think, I think if you lose all of it, I think you should do the, uh, I I think you should do the Donald Trump. The, oh, the comb? The world's, the world's greatest comb over. Nah, nah. Do the Donald Trump. That's like, but we, know, we make fun of that. With orange hair. No, I'm... Dye your hair sh- orange and do I'm the world's greatest comb over. I'm... Zzz, it's, it's gone. As soon as like, <laughs> I start to don't? lose, I'm... Okay, gone. guys, what's your thoughts on it? If, if and when you go bald, what's going to be your solution? Mm-hmm. Okay, screams and sadness effects on children. I just can't see it as a problem that the majority of parents can't resolve. Hmm. True. It's a very simple solution. It's like it's like dummies. Uh-huh. Uh Children get addicted to their dummy. Uh-huh. And it's an easy solution. Uh-huh. You take the dummy. Yeah. Throw it in the rubbish bin. Uh-huh. Problem solved. Yeah, I know my little sister. Deal with deal with, deal with pain for three days. Uh-huh. And they'll be fine. My little sister, she stood outside and like dad took her outside. It would I don't know, I remember how old she I think she could walk at the time, like she could just walk. Dad put the dummy in the bin. And walked the the bin out to the front yard, and like literally three minutes later, the garbage truck pulls up, tips the garbage, tips the the dummy into the garbage truck, and the garbage truck drove away. And she saw it, and no more did she want the dummy. <laughs> Problem solved right there. Yeah, do the same with smartphones. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe put it in the cupboard, not the bin. Yeah, put it on, put it on marketplace. Oh, oh yeah, get paid. Yes, get paid. All right, the world's largest fish found in Cambodia would hate to meet him while swimming when we consider how many monsters are in the deep that we have never seen. It's scary. Think about how many times you've been swimming, Lawson, mm. and to think about how many how many fish have swum around under your feet and you never knew. Ah, oh, that's fine. But if they're like a six hundred pound, three hundred kilo uh, stingray. That's it might be a little bit more. That's concerned. what's creepy. Yeah, what I found interesting was you know when we last went on our uh, a big you know holiday. Shell and I mm. uh, was before COVID, of course, and we were in Croatia. Wow! And went swimming every day. Mm. And what amazed me was any time I ever put the face mask on and looked under the water, how many fish there were swimming around our feet that I would have never known they existed. Oh, that's cute. 
But they were just small fish. That's cool. They were sweet fish. They yeah. were massive, big, scary ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, fear and uh, worldview. Uh, this is from our uh, in relationship to our interview. The news are specifically the news is specifically designed to make people fearful. Many times based on lies to make you feel hopeless. Mm. The word of God is based on truth and filled with God's love for unfaithful people and hope in these last days. Oh. Such a good where point. everything seems to be falling apart, much of which is orchestrated by the New World Order. We know the end of it, full of hope and eternal happiness. Look up, not down. That is where our salvation is coming from. His name is Jesus. Amen. I'm gonna make that one I'm gonna make that one uh, text message of the day. I did a Bible study yesterday with someone on the mark of the beast. Yes. And the mark of the beast is a cool subject. It's so fascinating. Yes. Like it is so interesting. And it's like you look at such a bleak kind of portion of scripture where it's like everyone who doesn't receive the mark of the beast. So those who truly follow God, like they'll, they'll be, won't be permitted to buy and sell and they'll be killed. And Like it's just really, really intense. And you look at that in conjunction with the signs of the times and how the world is getting worse and the beast is taking over the world. And it's like all this hectic stuff. But then like the very next chapter, Revelation 14, it just has this solution of like, but here are they who, Followed the Lamb wherever He goes, and they had no deceit in them, and they they loved God, and they kept His commandments. It's like, wow! Like we actually have a solution. Like yes. the Bible definitely yes. highlights the problem. I think in the most bleak way ever. Like in, in absolutely in terms no of those question, texts, because God knows human nature. Yeah. He knows that when it comes to the news, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to bite right the book of Revelation. Yeah. It's going to fascinate everybody. It's going to be full of beasts and danger and fear mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. But then unlike the news, it's going to end with hope yes. and with victory with and with joy and with happiness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's man. the big difference between the news and the book of Revelation. But that's why Revelation was written that way. That's, God, it's so exciting, God guys. knows us. He knows us absolutely. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Genesis, let's head over there. Where are we up to in the book of Genesis? We must be up to nearly, what, chapter 46? So we're in 45. We've 45. got the second half of the chapter, essentially. All right, all right, all right. second half of 45. Let's Because what we've seen so far is it's all come out. And yes. Joseph's like... I'm your brother to his brothers, and they're all crying, and they're all weeping, and they're all excited. After having having been scared. But then also there is a command kind of given by Joseph, not a command, but like telling his brothers, please bring dad and the rest of your families here. There's another five years of famine coming. Like if you don't, they're all going to starve. Yes. Like you're all going to die, bring him here. Like, but it's all worked out. No one's a slave. No one's going to die. Like... Joseph is who he is. Now, this next verse I find so hilarious. It says, The news soon reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph and his brothers have arrived. Pharaoh and his officials were all delighted to hear this. Now, if you remember back, like just a couple of chapters ago, it says that they despised Hebrews. And when the Hebrews were eating with Joseph, they weren't keen. But then also we were talking yesterday about how like all of the Hebrews are shepherds and bearded mountain man and all these kind of things and joseph now is clean shaven part of the aristocracy of egypt and you know he's having this such a hectic experience with his brothers 
of like they're all crying and it's betrayal and slavery and all this kind of stuff and then the pharaoh hears about it they're like oh joseph's family's here and it's like they're all delighted they're like oh let's have a tea party like <laughs> like oh that's so nice egyptians absolutely despise shepherds they wouldn't have anything mm. to do with them they looked on them as you know the lowest class you know citizens that they were in the world it was a cultural thing mm. and but when they are joseph's family that's a Different kettle of fish. So, mm. yeah, really good observation there. I hadn't known, haven't yeah. noticed that one before. It's just like compared to the, the the narrative that's been going on through Joseph and his family. It's just they're all just delighted. They're just like, well, it's yeah. a little bit like you know, you think about you make really good friends with somebody and you've been friends with them for quite a number of years and you've mm. been working together, but you've never met any of their family. It's kind of nice to meet their family. Yeah, that's right. Know? See who they are and where they come from, and and especially for Pharaoh, obviously knows Joseph's background. Yes. This, wait, wasn't this guy a slave in Egypt? That's and right. wasn't he imprisoned by his brothers? Maybe he doesn't know the soul by his brothers part. But who knows? What they do know is that he's a slave, and now his family is here. Like this is someone who has no family because he's been removed by his family from his family. Uh, by his family and from his family, he has been removed. And now he has family. And they're like, oh, cool, they're here. Let's let's go hang out with them. And continues on in verse 17. It says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, this is what you must do. Load and pack your animals. Hurry back to the land of Canaan. Then get your father and all your families and return to me. I will give you the very best land in Egypt, and you will eat from the best that the land produces. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, take wagons from the land of Egypt and carry your little children and your wives and bring your father here. Don't worry about your personal belongings, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. So the sons of Jacob did as they were told. Joseph provided them with wagons as Pharaoh had commanded, and he gave them supplies for the journey. And he gave each of them new clothes. But to Benjamin, he gave five changes of clothes and 300 pieces of silver. Wow, the favoritism is kind of still... He's he's, he's still pouring on. Making sure... He also sent his father 10 male donkeys loaded with the finest products of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other supplies he would need on his journey. So Joseph sent his brothers off and as they left, he called them, he called after them, don't quarrel about all this along the way. And they left Egypt and returned to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. Joseph is still alive, they told him, and he is the governor of all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned at the news. He couldn't believe it. But when they repeated to Jacob everything Joseph had told them, he then saw the wagons Joseph had sent to carry him. Their father's spirit was revived. Then Jacob exclaimed, it must be true. My son Joseph is alive. I must go to see him before I die. Yeah, this would be pretty wild for uh, Jacob. It would be hard for him to believe. You know, the, the brothers turn up and, and they're like, we were in Egypt and we found Joseph. Mm. That's wild. Uh-huh. Oh, and he is the ruler of Egypt and he was the guy who was giving us a hard time last time. Mm. At that particular point, you would be like, no, this is ridiculous. Mm. This is just absolutely ridiculous that my son, who was sold a slave, is the prime minister of Egypt and was giving you guys a hard time. This is, this is crazy. Mm. And they're like, okay, Dad, come outside. We've got something to show you. And there is the best transport that the empire of Egypt can provide that has been sent for him to move down to Egypt. Yeah. I have another quick question. Does Jacob know that the brothers sold him into slavery? Not at this point. Not no. until this point. But do they even know now? There does would he, have been, does he okay. even know now? 
I believe so. The Bible doesn't say so, but I believe there was some confessions that were made. I believe that there was you got to explain this somehow. Yeah. Because you're going to take him down to Joseph and he's going to ask Joseph, like, yeah, what happened? You know, we found your clothes out in the field covered in blood and torn yeah. up. And Joseph's like, well, they're much better to hear it from the brothers themselves than from Joseph. So I'm thinking that, the, that they would have sat down and said, okay, Dad, we need to talk to you. We need to share something with you at this particular point. Yeah. Oh, that's intense. It would have been really, really hard because the challenge with telling a lie is that the easiest time to confess that lie is straight after you tell it. Totally. The longer you wait, the harder it gets. Oh, totally, yeah. What has it been, like 30 years, 20 uh-huh. years, 20-some 20, 20 years, 20 years? 20 years, yeah. 20, 22 years. It's been yeah. 22 years that they've been telling this lie, keeping this lie, hmm. even, when they, even when they go down to Egypt the first time and they know that this persecution is coming upon them because of what they did to Joseph, they don't go back and tell their father why it is happening. Mm. What are they going to do now? They have to. They're forced to. Mm. This is going to be this is going to be punishment right here. Mm. Wow, intense, very intense. So Joseph goes out. He sees all of the wagons that have been provided, and Joseph has basically said, "Look, don't worry about your possessions. Leave the key in the door and walk away," mm. because the whole nation, the Canaanites, are just going to die off. During this time period, you don't have to, you know, just just don't stress it. Just move down here. But we're going to hook you up. Like Egypt That's has right. the best stuff. And it's interesting. When his family gets to Egypt, he could have, as, you know, the prime minister of Egypt, he could have set his family up in wealth, opulence, and retirement. Mm. It's like, come and live in this city right here. I will provide for you because I am wealthy. Mm. He doesn't do that. Mm. He brings them down to Egypt and he gives them the land of Goshen. Mm. And there's a couple of things that are significant about that. First of all, to the Egyptians, these men are they are shepherds, mm. which the Egyptians despise. And what are you going to do? Bring shepherds into the city and the racism of the Egyptians is going to be stirred up against them. Mm. It's going to create conflict straight away. So go over into Goshen where you can have space by yourself to be yourself. The second thing is that indolence always destroys a human being. Yeah. So if you get somebody who is not working, who is not who does not have gainful employment, they fall apart. Yep. They are an emotional mess. These are the people that have incredibly high rates of depression, incredibly high rates of suicide. If you want to solve happiness for a human being, one of the first things that you have to do is to get that person working. Yeah. And it's funny because that's a lesson that Joseph himself has learned. Yes. Because he was that. He went from being indolent mm-hmm. to being hardworking and he has learned the value of labor and the dignity of labor. And rather than bring him down and saying, look, you know, I'll provide for you for the next uh, five years, mm-hmm. he's like, I will provide land for you mm-hmm. so that you can provide for yourselves. Mm-hmm. There's a very important principle and you'll find this principle runs down through everything that Joseph does in the land of Egypt, particularly in how he relates to the Egyptians. Because, who are running out of grain uh, because he does not provide a just dole check. Mm-hmm. He sells them grain. Mm-hmm. And then he creates different ways by which he can continue to sell them grain so that they don't uh, become dependent on the government. Yeah. There's not a socialist government that he has created right here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. And so what we're going to see now in the future as they head down, we'll see, you know, what, what, what their fate will be. It begins off in chapter 46 and verse 1. It says, So Jacob set out for Egypt with all his possessions. When he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to God, of the God of his father, Isaac. During the night, God spoke to him in a vision, saying, Jacob, Jacob, he called. Here I am, Jacob replied. I am God, the God of your father, the voice said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you and to you. Joseph will be with you to close your eyes. Okay, so they'll be together as he does. That's right, absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. The Breakfast Show, it is Encounter with God time, it is Bible study time, and it is also quiz time. All right, our last question for the quiz. How many letters... Does the last word of the Bible contain? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. It's a very interesting question. How many letters does the last word of the Bible contain? So you're going to need to know that last word. If you are a regular church tender, we'll encourage you, hey, just try it. Just try and figure out what this is. Uh, but if you are not a regular church tender, we encourage you to crack open the Bible. Find the last word in that Bible. The last word of the last book, and uh, yeah, tell us how many letters are in that word, and then you can go in the draw to win our prize for this week, which is Food as Medicine, an incredible cookbook that will enable you to eat healthy, tasty meals that will heal you. So 0491-064-669, how many letters does the last word of the Bible contain? Okay, this text message says, I've heard hair loss comes through through the mother. So looking to your mother's father. Really? So you might be in oh, good shape. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in the clear then, guys. What a win. He says, for me, I chose to shave at around 30 years of age. Yeah, fair enough. Yep. That's when most people do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. So you might be in good shape there, Lawson. There is hope for you yet. Mm. Okay, off to our Bible study. And we're looking at the story where Joseph has invited his father Jacob down to Egypt. Jacob is heading down there. He makes a decision and... The decision, it's interesting because there's a lot of parallels between this decision to go and the decision that Abraham makes. Mm. So let's think about Abraham is in Ur. Mm. And God comes to Abraham and Abraham says, go to, the, go, go to a land that I will show you. Mm. Do not fear. I will be with you and I will make of you a great nation. Mm. That's the essence of what God says to Abraham when he is in Ur. Here... Jacob is living in the promised land. Mm. And it would be difficult to leave the promised land because this is the land that God has promised to him. Mm. And this is the land where he has now bought property. He has built houses. He has built stockyards. He has, you know, ceased to be a Bedouin as his forefathers were. He has settled down in this land. And now there's this opportunity is like, do I go to Egypt? Do I not go to Egypt? Mm. You know, I can go down there and visit, but do I stay there or not? You know, what should I do here in this particular situation? And so God comes to, uh, to Jacob to give him reassurance. And it's interesting. God says, go to Egypt. God says, do not fear. God says, I will be with you and I will make you a great nation in Egypt. Mm. That parallels what God said to Abraham, but with some differences. Let's, let's read uh, the rest of what the Bible has to say about this. 
It says, I'm God, the God of your father. Oh, okay. So we read this part. Then in verse five, it says, so Jacob left yeah, yeah, Beersheba. Re- re- refresh re- Read again. Read again. Refreshes. Okay. I'm God, the God of your father. The voice said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for there. I will make you your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you to close your eyes. So Jacob left Beersheba and his sons and took him to Egypt. Okay, so God gives him the reassurance. He's like, yes, go to Egypt. I will make you a great nation there, but I will bring you back. Hmm. Because this would be the big thing that would be going through Jacob's mind is like, do I go to Egypt? If I move to Egypt, like if I immigrate to Egypt, hmm. then what will happen? I mean, we've seen, we've seen what happens when people immigrate. Yeah. Go three generations and they're locals. Mm. Yeah, you know they're completely locals. They're complete. Yeah, they immigrate to Australia, and they might have a bit of an accent, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, their children don't. Their children are kind of stuck in that halfway where they don't know whether they're from their parents' country or whether they're part of this country, and they speak two languages. And then their grandchildren are just Aussies. Yeah, that's right. They're just they're just Aussies. And and so jo- Jacob's no fool. He knows this. He's like, if I immigrate down there, I'm going to have a generation that is born there. Mm. And they'll just be Aussies. Mm. I mean, they'll be just Egyptian. Egyptians. And once they become Egyptians and they know nothing else, will they ever come back? Mm. You know, you think about the first white, white settlers that came to Australia, and Australia at that time was such a foreign country. Mm. You know, the British were colonising this country and they were coming from a place that was green and wet and damp and lush and they're coming to such an incredibly harsh environment here in Australia and for them it was just completely weird and strange and different and then children were born here to white settlers and they grow up here in this country and they don't know any other country and, of course, they go back to the mother country, to England, to visit, and every time they go back, it's like, this place is so miserable. Mm. The British are like, Australia is so miserable. Everything's trying to kill you. Everything is hot. Everything is dry. They go back to England and they're like, this is cold and wet and damp. Why would anyone live here? Mm. Why? Because they are born there. And this is Jacob's fear. You can see his fear coming through. It's like, I've got a generation that is born in Egypt. They're going to become Egyptian. Mm. God's like, no, I'll bring you back. Make that promise. Go, have no fear. It won't happen. And it doesn't. All right, let's keep reading. It continues on in verse 5. It says, They carried him and their little ones and their wives in their wagons, in the wagons that Pharaoh had provided. They also took their livestock and all their personal belongings they had acquired in the land of Canaan. So Jacob and his entire family went to Egypt, sons and grandsons, daughters and granddaughters, all his descendants. These are the names of all the descendants of Israel, the sons of Jacob, who went down to Egypt. Okay, and has here, we a go, colon. here we go, here we go, here we go. You going to read them all? Oh. Reuben, Hanok, Philo, Hezron, <laughs> I Kami, can read them. Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Obad. These ones aren't bad. Jachin, Zohar, Shual, uh, Gershon, Kohath, Merari, Judah, Ur, Onan. Yeah, these are not bad. Yeah, Odin, Sheila, Perez, Zerah, and then it says the sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamuel, and the sons of Issachar, Tola, Pua, uh, Jeshub, Shimron. Do we have to read the whole thing? No, nah, we don't have to read it. No, okay, thing. good. <laughs> it's all of Jacob's sons and all of their grandchildren, which, how many people total is that? Maybe like 30, 40, something like that? 
There's a lot. Oh, wait, wait. The total number of Jacob's direct descendants who went with him to Egypt, not counting his son's wives, was 66. That's a decent-sized family by anybody's Mm -hmm. calculation. If I count my descendants, not counting wives, they number uh, two, three, five so far. Mm -hmm. Two of them unborn. Yeah. (laughs) So that, I'm, I'm a long way behind Jacob here. I don't think I'll ever catch up. <laughs> he did have four wives. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He did. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so in verse 27, it then says, In addition, Joseph had two sons who were born in Egypt. So altogether, there were 70 members of Jacob's family in the land of Egypt. As they neared their destination, Jacob sent Judah ahead to meet Joseph to get directions to the region of Goshen. And when they finally arrived there, Joseph prepared his chariot and traveled to Goshen to meet his father, Jacob. When Joseph arrived, he embraced his father and wept, holding him for a long time. Finally, Jacob said to Joseph, Now I am ready to die, since I have seen your face again and know that you are still alive. And Joseph said to his brothers and his father's entire family, I will go to Pharaoh and tell him, My brothers and my father's entire family have come to me from the land of Canaan. These men are shepherds and they raise livestock. They have brought with them their flocks and herds and everything they own then he said when pharaoh calls for you and asks you about your occupation you must tell him we are your servants have raised livestock all our lives as our ancestors have done when you tell him this he will let you live here in the region of goshen for the egyptians despise shepherds okay text message says jacob was very rich before he left for egypt to Joseph with 66 family members, what happened to all the servants and their families? There is no mention of them being taken to Egypt. Really good question. I don't know the answer. Maybe somebody else does. Let us know if you do. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Very special congratulations to... Elizabeth. Who has is 15 for 15 so far yeah. in the quiz. They've gotten every single question correct. And we're going to open up some of the We're also going to come today. up with a question that's going to trip her up. Yeah, oh, we're going to... We're going to try. <laughs> we have to. Producer shell has got that look on her face. She's determined. She's going <laughs> to... She's going to come up with something. But uh, the answer to question one, well, it will, originally it was fish, but it was Peter. Uh, the answer to question two was Job. The answer to question three was a mustard seed. Question four, the person who wanted to buy the Holy Spirit, his name was Simon. And finally, how many letters does the last word of the Bible contain? The last word of the Bible is the word amen. And it contains four letters. There you go. All right, let's go to... Right now it's time for... Question of the Day. All right, today's question is kind of a bit freaky-deaky, Lyle. Mm-hmm. Are demons present in church meetings, and can they invade members' minds and hearts? If so, how can we recognize that they have? Okay, so there's a number of different aspects to this. Are demons present in church meetings? Yes. Just because you're worshipping Christ does not mean that demons are excluded from your presence. Demons will go wherever they can find access, and we don't know when and where there are people in our congregation that will allow them to have access. And so we always we always worship under the assumption that demons are present. Mm. But we you'll never go to a church where you see Christians freaking out and looking around and trying to figure out, are there demons present here right now? No, because as Christians who are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have nothing to fear from demons. Mm. So that's the first part. The second part is, can they invade humans' minds? And the answer to that question is also yes. Mm. Uh, the Bible is quite 
a number of examples of people whose minds were invaded by demons and became possessed by demons. Mm. The third part of the question is a little bit more tricky, and that is, how do you know? Mm. So first of all, for somebody to be invaded by a demon requires that they uh, break their connection with God and allow that demon into their mind. Mm. The Bible talks about some people who are invaded by many demons and possessed by many demons. And so, you know, we will have these instances where people hear voices or whatever it might be, and the question is, okay, are these people demon-possessed or not? And the answer to that is we don't know. Mm. There is a point when we do know. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But most of the time we don't know. And very simply, we don't actually need to know. It's not necessary for us to know because as Christians we treat all people the same way who are struggling with something. We, we come to them with prayer and with comfort and with guidance. Okay, so let's talk about psychotic experiences because people have, there is such a thing as psychosis and psychosis can be very, very physical. Mm. We know that. We can measure the chemicals in the brain. Uh, I know I've got colleagues in ministry who have had severe psychotic experiences, have spent time in the psych ward, have been treated for that psychosis and have gone, to be, gone on to become very successful uh, ministers and had absolutely nothing to do with any kind of demon possession whatsoever at all. It was a chemical imbalance, a hormone imbalance in the brain. You get things that go wrong with your thyroid, for instance. It's going to mess with your head big time. The brain is the least understood organ of the body. We know less about the brain than any other organ that there is in the human body, which means there is a lot more to know about the brain that we don't know than what we actually do know. Okay, so we need to be very humble when we approach the study of the brain and when we start to pass judgments uh, as to whether somebody is demon-possessed or whether they're having a psychotic episode and they need to have treatment for that. Mm. So whenever we see things that could be demon possession or it could be a psychotic episode, as Christians we always treat it the same way. We treat it with love, with care, respect, and we take them to medical professionals. Mm who can, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, who can provide the treatment that they're going to need to be able to deal with that. Okay, at what point do we know that demon possession is possibly involved? Uh, A lot of the time we don't know, we don't need to, but when we see the supernatural for ourselves, then obviously demons are involved. So, you know, if you go into somebody's home and you see things floating around in the room, then that's clearly supernatural. And so that's a point at which you like, yeah, this is black and white. We know that demons are involved right here. And, you know, even when it goes back to the issue of uh, physical psychosis and uh, when it goes back to the issue of, you know, any other disease, ultimately disease comes from the devil. Mm-hmm. And so the devil's going to be involved in either end of that spectrum. But demon possession is different from psychosis. I can't give you a clear cut. Okay, this is how you tell the difference between the two. But I do know this. When you see the supernatural actually happening, things that cannot be explained by science, then it's very clear the supernatural is involved at that particular point mm. and you're going to need more than uh, just medical intervention. Uh, doesn't mean that medical intervention, you know, that's obviously going to be a part of what happens, but a significant part is going to be prayer and surrender to Jesus Christ. So, yeah, a very challenging subject to talk about and one that as Christians we need to address. And one last final text message. Uh, David just making the observation here that Jacob had 66 descendants who descended to the land of Egypt and there are 66 books of the Bible. 
Did he though? The Bible says he has seventy. Seven? No, there were sixty-six who descended to the land of Egypt. Mm. Oh, there you go. So the seventy-one by the time that uh, they all got together as a family. Okay. So they had got together for Thanksgiving or whatever <laughs> it might be. Then yeah, yeah, Thanksgiving. You know, celebrating the pilgrims. No, nah, well, <laughs> absolutely. They were pilgrims down to Egypt. Yep, okay. And I'm sure they had a Thanksgiving get-together when they got there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as we come to the end of the show, Lawson, how will people grow strong today? They will live faith, they will talk faith, they will act faith, and they will grow strong in Jesus Christ. For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.